Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Um, I'm a couple octaves lower than normal today. Um, Just battling some sort of a throat deal. Went to urgent care yesterday. I've inhaled about 748 cough drops just right before I came out. So um, I'll I'll get through just fine, but apologies for the uh, annoying tone of voice. Um, You know, God is so good to us. I mean, just even going into the urgent care yesterday and there were these like lovely people that just like so friendly, like some just regular Hoosier hospitality, um, others that are believers, some that went here and um, were just so kind. And it's just that reminder of how awesome it is when people are kind. Um, We could use a whole lot more of that in our world. And I think as followers of Jesus, we should be the, the kindest of all. Um, it's a gospel life that I think is like really contagious to people. We've been having a conversation for a few weeks um, in a series called Not Beyond Reach, and this wraps it up today. And we've been uh, looking at what it is to um, have these opportunities to share the gospel with people that we love who don't know Jesus. So what does it look like to uh, befriend people who maybe believe differently than we do? What does it look like to navigate some of those difficult conversations and moments um, in hot button issues in our culture when we're gonna disagree? How do we do that in a, in a loving and winsome way? Um, how do we have below the surface spiritual conversations with the people that God has put around us? And then today where we kind of landed is how do we actually have the gospel conversation? When the spirit opens an opportunity, there's the door open to have a conversation about the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. What does that look like? What are some things that would be helpful for us? You know, I've got friends that are missionaries all over the world. And for some reason, when I was thinking about gospel conversations, the Lord kept taking me back to uh, my missionary friends and thinking about them because they're like experts at what it is to to take the gospel into different people groups and into different places with different cultures and different languages. We've got friends in Papua New, Papua New Guinea that they knew that, that it was going to take two years from the time that they arrived on the islands there in Papua New Guinea with a tribe that's never seen anyone from the States They knew it was going to take two years before they would actually share the gospel. They would be living it out for the two years prior. They'd be building trust for the two years prior. They'd be building relationship. They'd be learning about them. They'd be learning about their culture. They'd be learning their language. It would take time to translate the word of God into their language. And then about two years in, they would be able to share the gospel. Now, more and more in our culture, even though it is not international, I think we need to start to think more in terms of 
a cross-cultural experience when it comes to sharing the gospel because we as a country have drifted further and further away from it. And so there's a foreign nature to most of the people that we love and care for in their understanding of the gospel. We have friends in the Czech Republic that are missionaries there, and we've been there to visit. And um, what I love about the Czech people is also something that's challenging about the Czech people. The, the people in the Czech Republic are really, really slow to believe something. But when they do believe, they believe it with everything that they've got, and they don't back away from it. Honestly, I feel like it's kind of the opposite for us as Americans. We'll believe anything. Like in five minutes, we'll also walk away from it the minute that it gets inconvenient from us five minutes later. And so when you think about the different cultures and the different peoples you're interacting with, I think having kind of a missionary perspective and mindset to adopt could be kind of helpful in it. See, the message of the gospel doesn't change. The message doesn't change. It hasn't changed since the beginning, and we're not going to change it. We're not going to compromise it. We're not going to water it down. But the approach that we use for sharing the gospel, that changes. That is contextualized depending on what people you're with, what people group you're with, what nationality, what background, what age. The approach changes all the time. When, When I start to talk about sharing the gospel, there's a totally diverse crowd here. There's a diverse crowd of you watching online. And when I share the gospel, there are some of you in here that you go, I I love it. I'm all about it. I'm so eager for it. I've never met anyone in my life ever that I've not shared the gospel with. I will do it right now with anybody that's sitting next to me. And if I get a sense that you're not following Jesus, you're going to hear about Jesus before you leave today. Now for the other 99.5% of us, we, we fall into different categories. There's an emerging group of believers today that actually think it's inappropriate to share the gospel because it steps on other people's perspectives. You might offend, you might put them off. Uh, a lot of us end up in a category when you think about sharing the gospel, it is just kind of like, oh, it's scary. It makes you want to pee a little. Honestly, if, if you have to share, it's just, I don't know if I can do that. And, and there's a ton of spiritual resistance that comes with sharing the gospel. You got to put that on your radar. radar. Just remind yourself real quick, because the enemy doesn't want you to share. And so he's going to do whatever he can to get you not to share. He's going to put obstacles in the way of anybody that you're trying to share with. The spiritual resistance might come up on your own behalf where you start thinking, I'm, I'm inadequate. I don't really know what to say. That's probably better suited for somebody else. It's probably not best for me. Maybe you think, gosh, my own heart hasn't been moved by the gospel in years, so why would theirs now? You might get out ahead of yourself and you put yourself in their shoes and overthink a little too much. Oh, they're not going to believe. They're not going to trust. This won't make any sense. They're not going to like me if I do share. And don't underestimate how much the enemy's just going to want to resist and slow down and give you the hesitation and go, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I know we've been friends for a while. I know we've had the spiritual below the surface conversations. I know we've navigated some tough stuff in our life with each other, but when it comes to the gospel, that's a step I don't know if I'm willing to take. But the Holy Spirit will prompt you. And when he does, 
We should take the risk. We should be obedient and just trust that he's gonna do the, the work at that point. Um, I love what John said a couple of weeks ago when Pastor John was preaching a couple of weekends ago. The, the statement he gave that was just beautifully simple was just get them to Jesus. And I love that because that's still our heart. That's still our goal. It's the great umbrella under which the gospel can be shared. When you and I lose our way or we're fumbling around or wondering like uh, what part or how do I go about this or just get them to Jesus. Just keep coming back to the person and the work of Jesus, in particular on the cross and the resurrection. There's a whole lot more there, but when people have that real encounter with Jesus, it'll upend some things. He'll be more radical than they ever realized. He'll be more for them than they ever realized. He'll ask more of them maybe than they ever realized. He'll be way more compassionate and gracious and merciful than maybe they ever realized. But whatever it is, you get him to Jesus and then he does the work. He does the heavy lifting. So just, just get him to Jesus. I think that was kind of the heart of Paul's ministry. Um, I, I like this couple of verses in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, it's comforting to me. Paul wrote this to the believers in Corinth, but to me still today, it's so comforting. Look at what he says. For Christ didn't send me to baptize. Now, he, he's not minimizing baptism here. He's just saying when it came to his ministry, his primary concern wasn't necessarily baptism, but he says, but to preach the good news. And not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. I, I love that because it's, it's freeing for just a second. Just acknowledge what the word of God has just told us here. The gospel is foolishness to some people and powerful to others. Now, I wish I could pick and choose the moment and the timing of which, which of these it is. I, I just wish it was always powerful, but even you think about it. The first time you hear the gospel, or maybe this is gonna be the first time you hear the gospel, there's a huge portion of this that sounds really foolish. Jesus God's son took on flesh, became like one of us in every way, yet lived this perfect sinless life and then died on a cross. And then he rose again from the dead. He resurrected from the dead three days later. And there's evidence to that and that he's alive and well. And then somehow that, my, my faith and trust in what he did there offers me the forgiveness of sin. It, it makes a way for me to have a relationship with God. You can like, there's a part of that. This just sounds like foolish. But then those of you that have been walking with him for a while, there's the moment where it clicks, right? And you've tried everything else. You've processed everything else. You've weighed everything else. And all of a sudden you go, man, that's not foolishness at all. The foolishness is everything else that the world has to offer. And I've tasted and seen that that's foolish. Now when I come to Jesus, I go, there's no other way. I can see for, for centuries how he was architecting this rescue plan. And how else would I 
get rescued or saved than by God himself. And what a picture of love it is. And so it moves from this foolishness to this beauty. And I love, though, that Paul says when he just delivers the message of the cross, he's not so concerned with clever speech. That's freeing, right? If you're going to have a gospel conversation, you know, you don't need to, like, if the guy that authored, inspired by God, authored most of the New Testament, said, I probably wasn't that great of a speaker. I really wasn't that eloquent. Just about a chapter later, he's going to say, I just decided to preach Christ and him crucified. That's it. And I don't know if it was ever clever or really that great. Content was good. Delivery, not so good. That's super comforting for me. I hope it's comforting for you. See, the, the power isn't in our words. The power's in the gospel itself. The power's in what Jesus has already done. And so we just get to have the, the conversation. If you have your Bible, go to Acts. Acts chapter 17. Um, Acts chapter 17, we find Paul here on his second missionary journey. And he's making his way down to Greece. He's going to end up in Athens. And what he's going to do here, he's kind of, he's doing what he always does. And that's just share the gospel. Like when he's, he's uh, out in public, he shares the gospel. When he's in relationship, he shares the gospel. When he's in these um, kind of interesting philosophical thinking groups, uh, he shares the gospel. That's what we're going to see here. Um, when he's with Jewish people in the synagogue, he shared the gospel. When he's with non-Jewish people outside the synagogue, he shared the gospel. When he was in jail, he shared the gospel. When he's out free, he shares the gospel. It's just kind of core to who he is, and yet his tact and his approach would change and morph depending on the people that were around him, and that's just smart. That's just the way to, to go about it. But in Acts chapter 17, he's, he's been invited from sharing the gospel in the public arena. And what he's been saying there has like intrigued people enough, these philosophers enough, to invite him into the Areopagus, Mars Hill. It's kind of this, where this high council of the Greeks would meet and they would discuss and debate and, and, and challenge some things together. They were real deep thinkers and philosophers and he's invited into that group. They didn't believe, but he gets to share the gospel there. And so what we see here isn't like a formula necessarily for me and you to follow, but it's a really great moment where somebody is sharing the gospel to a whole bunch of people that this would sound like foolishness to. There were two primary groups of these uh, philosophers present at this particular moment. One was called the Epicureans. And the other were called the Stoics. And I'm going to oversimplify these two philosophies an awful lot. But the Epicureans tended to be uh, focused on pleasure. Uh, they were focused on their feelings. And they were motivated by just pursuing pleasure. The Stoics, on the other hand, were, were motivated by thinking and academia and intellect and reason. So you could see where they're different. But isn't it fascinating? I mean, this is a couple thousand years ago. And even today, you're going to find people who are driven by 
the pursuit of pleasure by their feelings. You're going to find people who are primarily driven just by reason and intellect or academia. You're going to find people that are a combination of both. You're going to find people that don't really fit into any category. And yet Paul had an understanding of all these different people and then could, again, like we talked about last week, do a really good job of just like meeting them where they're at and building connections and finding that common ground uh, with the people that he was speaking to. And now he's got the opportunity to present the gospel in this particular situation. And let me just read through a portion of this. Look at what he does. Acts 17, verse 22. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For I was walking along and I saw your many shrines. On one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. That's good. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs. He has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and when they should fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. And so in kind of simple language, he, he's, he's doing such a masterful job of just connecting, right? He's connecting with them. He's connecting stuff that they're familiar with. Um, he, he's making that common ground connection with his listeners, with the people that he's having the opportunity to share with. Then he, he's also talking in in the ideology of their world. He's talking in their language, in their cultural context. If you did a real deep dive on stoicism, he's actually following their model of how they would present things and philosophize and share ideas. He actually adopts that as he's talking to them and sharing the gospel. He even references their own poets Hey, I I know about your culture and and, and what they say is this, and that's actually kind of a true reflection. And take a look at, let me make a bridge to that over here. Now, we don't don't do poetry too much anymore. We we don't read a lot of poetry, um, not a lot of poets around. But, But music, there's lyrics. You could share a Taylor Swift lyric with somebody. You could you could share something like that and make the connection with them. Um, and then bridge off from there. Our culture today, anything from music to TV to movies or whatever, there's a lot that's out there in the culture that you might be aware of, that they might be aware of. There's a common ground. And then be looking, ask God to give you gospel eyes and see how things that 
that you're seeing in the world, that everybody else is seeing in the world, is explained to us already in the scriptures and then help people connect those dots. Paul's doing that right here. He also does a really interesting thing of just kind of challenging people saying, hey, God might not fit your expectations. You're very religious, these people. Uh, People you talk to might not be religious, but they may be very spiritual or they might be a real focused on human beings themselves. And in their ideology, human beings are kind of God. And so broaching the subject real gently of, you've probably got some sort of part of you that's wondering about God, some part in you that's searching for God, uh, some part of you that believes this is God or God's. Can I just present the possibility that he might not fit or live up to your expectations and maybe maybe let him reshape who he really is and Paul's doing a pretty good job of that here then there's a turn and here comes the turn look at verse 30 he's established good connection in their language got them thinking a little bit and then in verse 30 God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. And so Paul, even though he's trying to build connection and be very respectful He's also not afraid to like call for action. And when it comes to the gospel, a call to action is repentance. And repentance just means to turn. It's a 180. It means to turn away from our sin, our disobedience, and then turn to face who? The one that was raised from the dead, Jesus Christ. And so he calls them on to repentance from their sins. He points them to the person and the work of Jesus Christ, specifically around the resurrection, which I think is really key because you, even you, follower of Jesus, if Jesus really did raise from the dead, then you and I have some reckoning to do because that means something. You know, anybody that could predict their death and their resurrection and then deliver on it, My goodness, they've got my attention. And Jesus did that. He predicted his death, he predicted his resurrection, and then he followed through. He he delivered on all of it. So he's full on got my attention right now. And for people who don't know him, even just processing through, maybe with some apologetic tools, Dr. Zach and Trey that are around here that have some phenomenal info on evidence for the resurrection that it is in fact true can be incredibly helpful and compelling when you're having these gospel conversations with people. But Paul walks them through this and he connects and he, and he challenges some assumptions, but then he calls them on. He calls them on to uh, action or repentance. And then look at what happens, verse 32. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. But others said, we wanna hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. 
but some joined him and became believers. Which I think is great. It's another example. Like some people, foolishness. Other people, whoa, that's powerful. And even in this case, he just shared in kind of a truncated, relatively quick fashion. And some people laughed at it. Some people are going to laugh when you have the conversation or reject or walk away or go, that's good for you. I'm not into that. Others are going to say, okay, thank you enough for caring about me that you would share. I happen to not agree or that was actually intriguing. Could we talk some more? Could we grab coffee next week and have a little bit more of a conversation? Because I would like to ask more questions and I would like to hear more. That's still fantastic. The gospel conversations can continue week after week after week or month after month or in some cases year after year after year. That's God's timing. And yet other people, you'll share and then you'll say, so um, is there any reason you wouldn't want to take that step into a relationship with Jesus today? And they go, no. No, there's no reason? Like you want to take that step today? Yeah. Oh my gosh, now what do I do? <laughs> oh, I didn't expect you to. I never thought you would. This is great. Because you, you don't know. You don't know what's already going on in their heart. You don't know what months of your friendship has meant to them. You don't know how many other people have interacted with them. And this just, they've planted seeds before you and other people watered. And now you have the privilege of doing the harvesting. You have no idea. And so we just have the conversations, right? I love that. I love that picture. When it comes down to it, if you're taking notes, I jot down just a couple of things. If you're going to have the gospel conversation, here's a handful of things that can be really, really helpful. One is if you're having the gospel conversation, share your own story. Share your own testimony. That could be so helpful, so powerful, because this is, this is not just theory. It's not just what the Bible says, although I encourage you to use God's word when you're having these conversations. But this is about your personal experience with what Jesus has done in your world. See, some of you have crazy testimonies, powerful testimonies of you were in the most bleak, dark, miserable, no hope circumstances and situations. I mean, literally like lying in a gutter and then all of a sudden Jesus comes to the rescue and he pulls you out of this and sends you on this new direction and the new direction is not easy, but your life has changed, your heart has changed. You are rescued and saved by the love of Jesus, and it's a whole different ballgame for you. You've got an incredibly powerful testimony. Others of you, you have an equally powerful testimony. It's just not as dramatic. Many of us have stories that don't involve that level of darkness or wandering or whatever, but they're still super powerful. You might think your story's boring. There's no story of Jesus rescuing anyone that's boring. Ah, but I grew up in the church and I didn't really know, or I didn't really know if I believed too much. It was probably junior high-ish where stuff started to click and then high school. And um, I, I, I made a decision for Jesus in high school. And then um, uh, I started to grow up and um, gosh, that was about 15 years ago and been kind of a roller coaster here and there, but I just keep growing and um, just wanting God to do more and more in my life. And 
See, that's a great testimony. That, that's a lot. See, God's going to use uh, the, the stories that we have to minister to people like us and unlike us. We just don't know. Every single one is valid. What's also powerful about sharing your story is it's very tough to argue with your story. People that want to argue can get into arguments about uh, doctrine or Bible verses or apologetics points, but it's very difficult to argue about your own personal experience with Jesus. So share your story. And, And when you're sharing your story, if you need a little bit of help, Think of it in three pieces. What was life like before you knew Jesus? What did he use to get a hold of your attention and then rescue you? How did that happen? And then what has life like been since then, since Jesus is sitting in the driver's seat of your life? What was it like before? How did he rescue you? And then what's it been like since Jesus has been the Lord of your life? There's your story that you can share. If you've got 30 minutes, you can share. You've got an hour, you can share. You've got three minutes, you can share. And you can practice that. And it can be a powerful tool when you're having a gospel conversation. Second thing I'd say when you're having a gospel conversation is share the keys to the gospel. So there are some things. There is a what to the gospel. And you could go to the scriptures. You could go to Romans. Romans 3.23, 6.23, 5, 8, and 10, 9. You can go online, get the study guide verses there to help you this week if uh, you didn't catch that. There's a number of passages in scripture that will help you share the gospel right from God's word. But there are the keys to the gospel. Share those so that people aren't wondering what the good news is. The first key is this. Uh, God created us to be with him. Something like that. You don't have to use this wording, but God created me and you to be in relationship with him. That explains the origin of everything good about God and this world. It explains the origins of your purpose, your identity. Everything is summed up in we were created for relationship with the God who loves us. Why does he love us? Because he created us. You're his already. He wants to be in a relationship with you. That's key number one. Key number two is then sin separated us from him. Sin broke the relationship. Death was inserted where there was life. And sin is just disobeying God. It's, it's going our own direction. It's thinking we can operate independent of God in the big things and in the little things. And sin, this second key, explains everything that's gone wrong in the world. It explains the curse of sin. It explains the icky stuff that you've got in your heart, the icky stuff that you've got in your mind and in my mind and my heart. It explains all the global stuff that we see that's just so atrocious. It explains all the icky sin. It explains all the pain. It explains all the hurt. It explains all the suffering. It came from sin. And it came from an enemy that just wants to keep perpetuating, fanning the flame of that sin to keep us separated from God. That's gospel key number two. It doesn't take a whole lot of evidence or eyes wide open to see that that's a real thing. Then gospel key number three, only Jesus can fix this problem. 
only Jesus, God's one and only son, can fix the problem of sin. You can't fix it. Have you tried on your own? I can't fix it. I've tried. It didn't work. No guru can fix it. No religion, religious activity can't fix it. No book can fix it. No political worldview can fix it. No nation can fix it. Money can't fix it. Nothing can fix it. No amount of doing all the right stuff and avoiding the wrong stuff. That can't fix it. The only one who could fix it is God himself who came in the person of Jesus, took on flesh, was like us in every way and yet was without sin. And he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped or taken advantage of, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself. Thank you, Jesus. And became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Because God's a God of justice and he can't look at sin and go, oh, whatever, it's no big deal. Justice had to come. And so Jesus voluntarily said, I will take the wrath, I'll take the punishment. Any justice that needs to be served, pour it out on me so it doesn't have to be poured out on people. And I'll take that punishment and then I'll die with it. And then I'll rise three days later, which proves that I have the ability to make dead things live. And he conquers sin and conquers death when he comes back to life to give me and you life, to make a way for our relationship with God that was broken, reconciled, and fixed. Only Jesus can do it. It's by grace, through faith, in the person and work of Jesus, God's son, that this takes place. And then the last key Key four, something like, hey, everyone who trusts Jesus alone will have their relationship with God fixed and find real life or everlasting life or abundant life here and now and for all eternity. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, it's a turning, it's a repenting from us being in charge from our sin and turning lock. Thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna leave my sin over here. Um, I'm actually gonna uh, put it at your feet if you would take it. And then he's gonna hand you back his righteousness and his love and his grace and his mercy. That's a sweet trade. We don't need to carry it anymore. And when we do that, we are made whole. We get a brand new heart and our relationship with God is fixed. And the life that we were really meant to live, we can start to live here and now and for all of eternity. It centers around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So share your story. Share the keys to the gospel. And then I would say this. Offer to walk with the people that you love on a discipleship journey. If you're having a gospel conversation Say, hey, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here to walk with you. I can walk with you for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or a couple of years or a couple of decades. Whatever it takes, I'm just here to walk with you. Because the gospel conversation may need to take place multiple times before they get it, before they're ready. This Again, this is God's timing. And if today's not the day, 
I'm not going anywhere and I'll keep walking with you. Why? Because God did the same thing with me. So I want to do the same thing with you. I'll keep walking with you. You you don't get it yet. You don't believe it yet. That's fine. I still love you. Let's keep meeting and having good conversation about the gospel. Walk with them. Or if they do receive Jesus when when you've shared the gospel, walk with them. Because this isn't just about getting people to pray a prayer and then we walk away. The church is made up of believers who are disciples. And when I stepped into a relationship with Jesus, I needed to be discipled. I needed to grow up. I needed to mature. And it took brothers and sisters in Christ coming alongside of me in the church to grow me up over years. And the gospel life was passed on to me. So say you accept Christ on a Tuesday and then you wake up Wednesday morning and you're confronted with the strong reality that life is still hard. Uh, Yeah, I've got Jesus now, but how does Jesus and my every day intersect? Well, I I need another brother and sister in Christ to come alongside and help me figure that out. And that might take months and years. That's where the church is crucial. We got to walk with them on this gospel journey, passing the baton of the gospel from generation to generation to generation. There's a guy named Pastor Vaughn. This is Pastor Vaughn right here, actually. (laughs) Pastor Vaughn was one of the first youth pastors in Southern California in the 1960s. He was in San Diego. And he, he wasn't a great speaker, and he wasn't particularly cool or anything like that, but he loved Jesus, and he loved the gospel. And with a heart that stemmed from that, he just opened up the church for the first time to teenagers in San Diego and just shared the gospel week after week after week. In fact, other people that had gone through his ministry told me later that we don't think Pastor Vaughn knew anything but the gospel because every time we showed up, that's all he he talked about. We, We didn't hear anything other than the gospel week in and week out. But after the first year in that ministry, eight to 900 high schoolers a week were coming to that youth group. And the church was half that size. The youth group was double. And they were showing up from all walks of life. And he just shared the gospel. And it's almost impossible to count over the years that he did this, the thousands of students who heard the gospel but also responded to it. And then it's hard to count from there how many went into vocational ministry, missions, or the pastorate. It was, it was phenomenal, beyond counting. From the faithfulness of one guy, just proclaiming the gospel in word and then loving people like Jesus did. Well, one of those high schoolers that got his life changed, started to show up, was a guy named Eddie Passmore. And this is a picture of Pastor Eddie and his wife, Maggie. Eddie showed up at Vaughn's youth group in high school, and he was a full-on drug addict, and he had a horrible home life. But he got loved by a whole bunch of people in that group, and he heard the gospel from Vaughn. And Vaughn took him under his wing, and Jesus transformed Eddie And they continued to walk in a relationship together. And then Eddie went into the ministry. He became a youth pastor and had phenomenal ministry. 
In fact, at a few years later, Eddie became my youth pastor. And I responded to the gospel under Eddie's ministry to me. The gospel was passed to me in a really, really vivid, special way. And it transformed my life. Well, then you fast forward just a little while later after college, I went back as the youth pastor of the church that I had got saved at. Eddie was just about to head to Mexico to be a missionary where he is still serving today. And 27 years ago, I started at this little church in Lake Arrowhead, California, where Eddie's kids were now in my youth ministry. And Eddie's oldest son, Aaron, this is Aaron here, Aaron responded to the gospel when he was in our youth ministry. Aaron gave his life to Jesus. And Jesus just used him so powerfully all through high school, reaching tons of his friends. And then he's continued to use Aaron. As Aaron went into ministry, he went into the mission field. And he has ministered all over the globe, predominantly in South America, and most recently in uh, Spectrum Ministries in Mexico, And this picture here is a little bit of what Spectrum does, where the gospel goes out to a whole bunch of kids in Tijuana, Mexico, and the gospel goes out in teaching, the gospel goes out to orphans, the gospel goes into teens who are in prison in Tijuana, the gospel goes out to families that live in the city dump of Tijuana. And Aaron has shared the gospel, and his teams have shared the gospel And the ripple effect of that is just massive. So now you back up the gospel legacy to Pastor Vaughn, to Eddie, to me, to Aaron, to countless people all across the the world and South America in particular. I mean, this is the beauty and the work of Jesus through the gospel, and he'll continue to do it. There's nothing unique and special about Vaughn or Eddie or me or Aaron or you either. It's just that you are where you are and you're wired like you are. And then you've been given relationships that God has ordained to give to you. And then when the Holy Spirit prompts, you get to have the conversation, maybe multiple times. And then I pray for the joy too that you could have to have a front row seat to when somebody says, yes, yeah, I get it. I want that relationship with Jesus. I want to kiss this whole way of life goodbye, and I want to throw off the sin that's been crushing me. And I want Jesus to be in the driver's seat of my life. We get to walk with people. What a privilege. Church, do you get the connection point is perfectly positioned at this particular moment in history for a time such as this? because Jesus is the head of this church. We truly believe that he is the hope of the world. We have at this beautiful moment in history where he's chosen to reveal himself and the truth of the gospel through his people. Wow. And you are some of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. We've got this amazing amazing community around us, many of whom who don't know Jesus that we've got heart for in our state and in other states and across the world. Oh man, what a privilege, what an honor.
the last thing I'd just offer when you have the gospel conversations to include in your list is you can invite them here. You can at any time. Because this isn't about a person. It's not about a program. It's not about a building. This is about Jesus. When you come here, you're going to hear more and more about Jesus. And when your friends who you love come here, they're going to hear more and more about Jesus. We're going to continue to share the gospel, and we're not going to back down. We're not going to compromise, and we're not going to water down. We're going to continue to share the gospel, and we're also going to continue to live out the gospel. And the gospel was meant to be lived out in relationship, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the church. It's you. It's us together. And so when you invite somebody in and they come into a relationship with Jesus, they also come into the family. And what a beautiful gift that is. So let's keep building the friendships. Let's keep navigating the tough conversations. Let's keep having below the surface spiritual conversations. And please, let's take the risk when the Spirit prompts to speak up and have the gospel conversation once, twice, as long as it's needed, and let God do his work, loving people all along the way. So gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for that love that's just for for century after century after century been so prevalent, and it's something that's so desperately needed. You are our only hope, Jesus. For those of us that already have a relationship with you, we thank you for the people that you brought into our life through whom we heard the gospel for the first time and thank you for using them. Whether it was in a corporate setting or a relational one-on-one or school or random encounter, we thank you that you orchestrate these things for your good because you love us that much. Continue to equip us and guide us. Give us your ears, your heart, and at the right time, your words. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then we would love to have that conversation with you if you would like to have it. There'll be people up here in front that would love to pray with you or have that conversation with you. Continue to walk with you. If you're online, the same thing goes for you. Just reach out there. There are people right there ready to walk with you. So gracious Heavenly Father, we give you the praise and the glory and excited for what you're going to do around the corner. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.